Welcome to From Stuck to Growth, the podcast that takes you from the state of stuck to moving at the speed of growth. Here's your host, whose hard-won lessons led to these conversations today, personal growth geek, mentor, Glenn Leifheit. Thank you for joining us and welcome to From Stuck to Growth. With me today, I have Roger Grimes, who I've known for uh, several years, and I think he's a great person for us to uh, to get to know and learn from. So, Roger, thank you for coming. I'm glad to be here. Thanks so much. It's always great talking to you. I, we, you and I, over the years, I think have had, just in our limited professional interaction, some interesting projects and ideas that we came yeah. up with, and we used to bounce off of each other, trying yeah. to go, isn't this a better way to do this thing? So, I always enjoyed yeah. our interactions. It's always been a lot of fun. Uh, goes in very interesting and diverse places, which is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I've been doing computer security for 34 years it, uh, since 1987. I've written 13 books, probably 1,300 magazine articles. I've been everything from a PC network technician, network manager, VP of IT, to eventually, you know, one day, probably about 18, 20 years ago, said, I just want to do computer security full-time, work for Foundstone. Eventually moved to Microsoft for a while, worked in the Microsoft, was called the ACE team for nine years, and did security reviews and viewing all sorts of stuff, including code, but PKI, host security, this and that. And then now I'm working for Nobefore as a data-driven defense evangelist. Uh, Nobefore does security awareness training and uh, simulated phishing type thing. And uh, I literally get paid to speak and write now. Like it's my dream job. It's not even really a job. Uh, As you've known for these decades, all I do is talk nonstop and write. So that someone's paying me a lot of money to do it is just incredible to me. Very cool. I love the fact that you've ended up in that role. I think it it really kind of is that role that is really designed for you. Fantastic. When I think about the work that you've done is some of the challenges you've had to face through your career. You've pivoted, you've grown, and you've continued to grow. How are you, when you look at your mindset as you go through and work on, in some of those roles and some of those challenging situations, when you have those negative thoughts, how do you deal with some of that stuff? And let me say that I've struggled. I've really written a lot. I've, I've think a lot. I enjoy our field that you can take it where you want it, right? You can mm-hmm. be an expert in something and then get interested in something and literally go, I think I'm going to follow that rabbit hole, see where it leads me and really take you to another job. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, in my past, I'd been a a disassembler of computer viruses, DOS computer viruses. Then I became like a macro virus expert, then Mm -hmm. a Windows virus expert, then, uh, you know, a little bit of everything uh, along the way. Uh, I love cryptography, followed that. Even like these Mm -hmm. days I do, I dabble in quantum quantum computers, quantum uh, cracking, quantum cryptography. And so one of the ways that it's easy for me to get around either being stuck in a place with the boredom or maybe just how hard it is to get change is that I literally will take my interest to something like I'll just get excited about something and build that into part of my career. You know, and Mm -hmm. I think if you if you pay attention in computer security, I think it's one of the great places for you can kind of reinvent yourself if you want every five (laughs) or 10 years. Like sometimes you're forced, right? Like what you worked on doesn't even (laughs) exist anymore. And you may be dragged kicking and screaming. Although I've got friends that still make have six figure jobs, uh, traveling, fixing COBOL. It's a lot, a lot of times the opposite. Like if you can learn to embrace and go like, well, I'm going to be a cloud person, right? I'm going to get into cloud security and start Mm -hmm. learning everything I can from the cloud security Alliance. And next thing you know, year or two later, you're a cloud expert, yeah. right? Or at least compared yep. to the people around. So 
I would say that's one of the ways that I've learned to deal with it. And yeah. I really enjoy it because I think mm -hmm. if you're a doctor or a lawyer, it changes a lot slower, which yeah. a lot of people enjoy. I enjoy the ability to say, oh, this looks interesting. That looks interesting. And oh, because if, you, if yeah. you really like something, you just become it's easier to become an expert and your job's just more fun. Yeah. You know? That's great. As you pinpoint, you know, you've moved around and I think I've, I've done that a bit as well as, you know, through your career, you kind of find your niche and you, you dig in a little bit and then you kind of learn to pivot to the next one because you may not be interested in it forever. That's great. I remember doing that in technology standard operational space. And then all of a sudden I got into security as going to dive into that. And then I realized, oh, wow, there's places to dive inside this. It's a whole it's a whole new avenue that I hadn't explored yet. You know, you know, you know what? It can it can drive you nuts or you can embrace it and use it to get your creative juices going. And that's what I think I did is that some people are like, man, I always have to keep studying this stuff. I got to learn this new <laughs> thing or see is cloud going to yeah. take off this year. Is I, I actually learned to embrace it and it became yeah. fun. And I now go, it's one of the best things of our career is that it's not, you're not stuck just doing one yeah. thing if you don't want it to be that way. There's so many avenues to learn. There's so much being created. I heard a quote a few years ago where like every year we're creating more technical documentation than was ever written in human history before, in the year before prior. And then we do it again the next year. And then we do it again the next year. There's obviously a lot to learn. And it also means nobody's really going to be that much of an expert at everything because nobody can know all of that information. Yeah. And you're ready for one of the secrets, I think. And this applies to I'm not a genius. I, I, yeah. If I was to write a book, I'd call myself one IQ point above average. Mm -hmm. I just do a lot with that one IQ point and I work hard. But Einstein said what I'm getting ready to say and some other people that they approach the world with childlike wonderment. And they ask the questions like, why is the sky blue? And, you know, like the that the same thing in computer security is I would go, why is it that way? Why is this still happening? Why is this not fixed? So I think when I go to a new place and a new idea, that part of it is I look at it like a child, like, why is this thing happening? Like, if they say that firewalls and VPNs and antivirus work so well, why is every single company that gets compromised running those three things? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like every, these days, everyone's like, you got to have a VPN, you got to have a VPN. I don't think I've heard one person that got compromised by ransomware going, you know, if we just had a VPN, I think the ransomware would have been kept out. Yeah. Like it isn't. And so I, I love that not only can you change what you think, but you can actually look at it with a different set yeah. of eyes than the people have been there before and sometimes come up with better answers. It's interesting being in this space. It's so evolving and it does completely change. And you can change your answer as to what's right because it was right before for as much as you knew what had been released or what we'd learned, but there's more to go. It's something that a lot of professions could probably learn from is just the agility we have to have to be able to to grow and adapt to all this change that's constantly happening. Going to all those books that you've written, that's a fascinating place for us to dive in. You know, I always was fascinated by the fact that you did it, and I know we've had many conversations that I should write a book, and I'll get there soon, hopefully. When you come up with ideas that you're doing it and you're going through this learning, is there some point where you just go, oh, that's the that's the point of interest that I'm going to go chase after? Or how do you determine kind of like what you're going after? Well, you know, I think two things. One is I just have this natural interest in something like some some things grab me and I'm like, oh, I want to go <laughs> learn more about that. And let me say there's other subjects that you would have to take me, you know, kicking and screaming and dragging <laughs> to that subject. Um, 
and then a lot of times I'm researching something, let's say like quantum computers. And I'm like, mm-hmm. man, or quantum, just quantum physics. I probably read about 20 quantum physics books. And I'm like, when I finally understood quantum physics, I remember the day I literally started jumping out of my clothes. My wife's like, what? I was like, I understand quantum physics. I understand quantum physics. And I said, immediately my thought was, I need to explain it the way that I now understand it, the way that I wish it was told mm-hmm. to me. You know, or whether firewalls or viruses, like I always have this concept of, it took me so it was so much work to get this understanding. Can it be explained in an easier way? Yeah. So natural interest, easier way. Also, I think I see trends. If I do have I have very few superpowers, but if I do have a superpower, I'll see a trend and I'll see uh, I, I can see trends early on, like, you know, the cloud finally coming, mobile devices finally coming, you know, like early on, Apple had the Newton and Microsoft had the <laughs> H compacts and stuff and they died. But that was kind of like all of a sudden when I was like, ah, that, you know, the mobile, the whole mobile thing's gone. It didn't work. Yeah. And I could then see it building again, certainly through yeah. iPod, iPhone, that sort of stuff and Windows phones, which I can't believe are gone. Still love them. But so that would be something is that I noticed a trend like cloud computing. I go, okay, First of all, am I interested in it? Yes. Uh, do I think it's really going to be something or is it going to peter out? And one of the things I noticed is that if you have multiple companies spending billions of dollars, it's coming. Company, multiple companies may spend hundreds of millions of dollars, but by the time they start spending billions, it's guaranteed that it's coming. I mean, they yeah. know. They see, So quantum computing would be like that. All of a sudden, I remember reading one day. And Microsoft's like, oh, we got eight research facilities that are looking at quantum computers, right? You're like, hmm, you know, note to myself and Amazon and Google and, you know, like, okay, a lot of people are like, oh, is quantum coming? You don't, I don't have to ask myself that. Multiple companies are spending billions of dollars. It's coming. Then I ask myself, okay, is it something I'm interested in? You know, what's it going to mean? What's the future going to mean? What's my career going to look like? You know, if I kind of pursue this thing. So that's what I would say. Yeah, like quantum, that'd be a really good example. You know, if you get interested in it, can you make a career out of it? And and you can if you want. That's certainly a a great example because that's not one you just like pick up a a pamphlet and kind of figure out. There's some real learning behind that quantum and uh, understanding that work as well. From a perspective of how you learn these things i think are there any tricks or anything that you go through as you as you do it or is it just like lots of research and lots of reading that you do to kind of get yourself to the point where you're doing it yeah you know i would say my brother it's funny i got a twin brother and he calls me the great pretender uh off and what he but he doesn't mean it as an insult he just mean there was a show called the pretender where this guy would have like this and he said you're that guy uh but i certainly do i will if i'm super interested i'm like i want to learn as much as i can I will immediately buy every book I can get on Amazon on the subject, you know, looking at the ratings <laughs> and that sort of stuff. I, if you have magazines, magazines are fantastic if, if the subject's large enough to have magazines because the magazines <laughs> have the most current stuff. Books tend to age, but the magazines have the latest stuff. Then join threads and, you know, go out and find what are the forums where the people that are smarter than you on this particular subject uh, you know, and let me say, anytime I go into a quantum computing forum, I am the yep. dumbest guy there. And and, and, they, and they don't hesitate at telling me that I'm the dumbest guy there. <laughs> um, you know, so then I start hanging out in the forums and it doesn't take long to where you start to really understand it. Although, you know, another thing that's kind of interesting, again, I go with that childlike wonderment. I'm not embarrassed to be wrong. I'm not embarrassed to ask questions. I'm not embarrassed to go, hey, I don't understand this thing. And even Mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. Can you explain it better? And I've had people yell at me and be 
be aggressive. Like some people, it's amazing that sometimes for newbies, some people can be aggressively mean because something. And, and then like in the quantum space, what I found was I would ask a question and, and people would say that they would say the answer the same way. And what I realized is they were all repeating basically what they read out of a couple of books. And in the end, I realized they didn't really understand it as well as they thought they did. I even had some people with some of my questions that would treat me as if I was an idiot or a child. And I, and I learned like, no, they read, they really don't have the great understanding that they think <laughs> they do. They just keep repeating the same thing that they yeah. all read in the book. And when you give them an alternate approach or an alternate question, they don't know how to approach it. So they'll, yeah. they'll kind of fight back and be belittling. So I, I think, this when I'm in a forum now when I'm in a forum and someone asks a really basic question I try to always be nice and gentle mm -hmm. even though people that argue back but I'm like yeah. I've been that guy so many times if you can be anything in the world be kind and try to understand that you know you were once not the master of whatever exactly. universe matter of fact I even where I'm sitting right now I have a five and a quarter inch floppy disk in a picture frame on my wall in my office. That was from like the first day that I was trying to learn computers and the uh, teacher at the college where I was using this five and a quarter inch floppy disk said, wherever you use this computer, wherever you format this disk is the where you need to use that disk. Mm -hmm. And I, he may not have said that, but that's what I took out of it. So I actually wrote on the disk computer number 22 in lab 4A. And every time I went to go use the floppy disk, I'd go back to that computer exact computer in that lab in the engineering school and i remember there'd be people sitting there and i'd go up to them like they'd been on a couple hours like hey how long till you get through the computer and they would look around the lab and there'd be like 30 other computers empty computers around them. i'm like uh i don't know it's probably another hour or two and i'm like but i got my disc it was formatted on this computer and the, you know they look at me strange and i think i was even a little bit physically intimidating at times when <laughs> i got tired of waiting i was hoping my physical bulk would intimidate them to leave and I remember I finally I went to I went to the professor in the semester and he's like, well, let me see your disk. I was asking him questions. Let me see your disk. And I was like, but I formatted it on this other computer. And he went, he took it, he put it in his computer, and it worked. And I remember at that moment it hit me that that he meant that type of computer, like a DOS mm -hmm. computer versus an Apple computer versus a. Yeah. And um, so I have that disk on my wall in a picture frame to remind me that I. There are times when I didn't know all the answers and yeah. I need to remember and be humble uh, because there's lots of people that are just looking for answers and trying to do their job. And when in doubt, be kind. So also a great example of how things can be misunderstood so easily from that, too. But that's a, a great lesson. I love that. I love the idea of also of just reading as much as you can on the subjects and, and continuing to, to do that. When you look at making that pivot, when you are digging in, is there a time, I see the books you've published and all those other things, are there times where you've kind of had interest and started to dig in that deep, but just stopped because they just wasn't for you? Um, no, I guess I've been lucky though. I will say this, that I'll oftentimes get in and be super excited. And then all of a sudden, I would say this happens every book. This probably happens to every author. Mm -hmm. Is that about 70% of the way through, all of a sudden you feel like you can't say anymore or you've said everything, or maybe a blog. Everybody mm -hmm. here wants to be a blogger, right? And you go to blog, and I would say that everybody has 10 to 25 really good blog articles in them. I've been blogging mm -hmm. two to three times a week for 22 years. And I can remember that moment where I hit about the, the 20th column. And pretty much you've said everything, you, you've said everything you're passionate about. 
Mm-hmm. And if you look out there in the blogosphere, so many people go out there in the blogosphere and they write all these great articles and they're going to change the world. And then the blog dies because they hit right. that. They hit this point to where they're like, I've said all I can say. So I would say that in books that happens too, is that I will get to this point where all of a sudden I, I either I'm overwhelmed or I'm bored or mm-hmm. I feel like I've said all I can say. And there is that part where you, if you're writing a book, you just have to fight through it. You know, you'll hear the author Stephen King. They're like, just write every day, right? And there, there is no truer thing said than that. It's just right. But I, it's funny. I, I've helped a lot of people get book. Con- Everyone that's ever asked me, how do I write a book? And I tell them how to do it. Mm-hmm. Anyone that has ever fallen through, followed what I said has always gotten a book published. 99% of them though, don't because they don't follow through at all. Most of them don't anything. They don't even do step one. They don't do step two, but there has also been a bunch of people that got, I got a book contract for and they wrote the first three chapters and then they stopped responding. And let me say the, the publishers are used to this type of person, but they've given them a book contract. Mm -hmm. They're excited about the deal. It took a lot of hard work on both sides to get to this book deal. And then yeah. the author drops off the face of the planet because they then get overwhelmed or bored. So half all over the place in the way that, you know, I think at the, that point, you just have to force yourself to uh, work through. There's going to be a stage <laughs> career. There's going to be a stage yeah. in your writing. Even me, like uh, there's some days I wake up with five good ideas and then sometimes right. two months goes by and I can't think of a great idea. If I just push through the work, it comes back around there. You know, it sometimes you have to work through the harder part to get back to the part that you love and for that inspiration to yeah. hit you again. So I would say uh, you do. There's a lot of ways to make money in this world. Pick something that you like, like long and short at the same time. Yeah. And then um, if you get into a part where all of a sudden you're bored or stayed or, and you know that you really still like the subject, um, just work through that portion till you get back to that to that burst of brilliant and excitement and love. And maybe that's like a relationship, right? Being, I don't care who, I don't care who you're married to, how wonderful that person is. They or you at some point are going to have not to love you. Like it was the first time you ever met each other and yeah. you've just got to work through that piece of it and figure out yeah. how to do it. And you can get back to that love and all that other stuff. Yeah. So that's life. That's work. That's writing. That's book. Persistence sure seems to be a piece of that puzzle along with making sure that you find that enjoyment piece of it as well. Had that, have you had to conquer it? Any crazy self-talk, any of those types of things? Is that some of the challenges that you run into? Self-talk? What do you mean by that? Well, meaning just your internal voice or whatever is trying to convince yourself of, hey, you know, I, I have to get through this. I have to be persistent about this because the reality is sometimes we know it's persistence. A lot of people know that they need to get to the gym. But they got to wake up and get up and go to the gym and work out and do the do the pieces. And a lot of times they talk themselves out of it before they talk themselves into it. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. Like what I've realized, I go to a gym, have a lot of my life. I'd be far fatter if I didn't work out every day. But um, one of the things I notice is that, I, you know, I'm a morning person mm-hmm. and I got to make sure I don't get too distracted because I can easily get distracted and not end up. So I've just learned, hey, get on the road, whatever it might be, go to the bathroom, this or that, and then get out the door. Uh, and that, you know, but if I know that if I sit for an hour around my laptop reading email or news, all of a sudden it's every minute that goes by, I'm less likely to go to the gym. So recognize, recognize what your triggers are, recognize what's good and bad for you. Like with, and again, with writing, if you're interested in writing, you have to write every day or, or, or very close to it. You have to put aside the time 
mm-hmm. uh, or if you're going to research, I, I would say I, uh, one of my books, Hacking the Hacker, I interviewed a whole bunch of industry figures, people really famous in our industry for making firewalls and wireless sniffers. And all. Without a doubt, all of them said that they spent a portion of every day learning something new. I think was Michael How- Michael Howard at Microsoft may have said it one of the best ways. He said, "Suppose you're reading the story and it talks about this latest hack. Most people will read that story and go, oh, that's a really interesting hack.' He goes, "I then go try to duplicate that hack." And he said, mm-hmm. "In doing that, you really get involved in it. You really learn it." And he goes, "A lot of times, what you'll learn is the hack isn't nearly as easy as the article said, as the person the article is talking about said." He said, but, you know, he's saying, don't just read about it. Be Missouri-like or whatever. You know, show me. And yeah. I, and let me say, I really take that to heart, uh, that that's a really good philosophy, that if you see something interesting, go try to duplicate it. And then duplicating it, you're almost all the time, it's going to be harder than what the first mm-hmm. the article said. There's going to be challenges that they didn't mention. Things, you, oh, by the way, like I remember once in a while, oh, I just have to disable the firewall and already, already have been administrator. <laughs> you know, like, oh, so I just basically have to put this thing in like a really insecure state where I'm already God and then I can right. go do this hack. So I, I love that. But, you know, Bill Gates talking to Michael Howard, all of them said that they every day, every day, put aside some time to learn something new. That's a huge lesson, I think, for a lot of us, because it's so easy to get kind of, if especially if you're feeling stuck, to get really get into that groove of, okay, well, I'll just stay stuck in the in the rut of every day and not necessarily go spend that time to go learn and much less dig into a hack or something like that, where you may run into roadblocks. But exposure to those roadblocks is a good thing for you in the grand scheme of things, because you'll you'll continue to learn from them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe another thing, somebody, uh, Stephen Northcutt from Sands, he's retired now. But he would say another good thing. I'd be listening to somebody, a hacker or somebody that would be dogging something I like. Maybe mm-hmm. back in the day, dogging Microsoft. How many people dog yeah. Microsoft, right? Big, yeah. easy target. And he would say, Roger, uh, eat the watermelon, spit out the seeds, saying, hey, is there any kernel of truth what this person's saying? Is there any lesson you can learn? So maybe mm-hmm. you don't like this thing or this person or this approach. Is there a kernel of something that you can learn from that? And and it turned out most of the time there is like if they're if they're a dog in Microsoft or something like that, there sometimes is at least some kernel. And of course, we're defensive and we're like, hey, everybody has that problem or, you know, you can hack Google stuff easier than this or whatever it might be. But when someone's sharing something, even if it's maybe not always, you know, if it's distasteful, sometimes there's something that got somebody there. There's something that frustrated right. them, something. Sometimes people are clueless and they just don't realize they don't have context for it. Working at Microsoft, by the way, taught me about context and scale. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like it, it's not easy to do things at scale all the time. It's easy to do it on your home computer, but 300 million machines, it's a different thing. And it, it gave me empathy. You know, or, you know, one of my... You'll hear about so so and so has this problem. Like I just other day, I just read about this product called Airphone. Uh, it's a building access code thing, and it turned out people you could brute force it using near field communication. So you walk up to it with a wireless scanner, and it would ask for like four digits to go in the building. And apparently, they use this thing in the White House, and you could wirelessly just go through all ten thousand four digit codes, and then you know break in. And I, when I got interviewed on, it, I said, "Listen, this is just who you know today." 
probably tons of other building access codes have the uh, products have the same thing. Like Bank of America got hacked today. Well, there's probably 5,000 other banks that are currently hacked. Bank of America is just one that you're finding today, you know, or, you know, I know at Microsoft, we hear about this big Google Chrome bug, you know, and we, Oh, that's terrible. It's terrible. And some of the people on internet explore, I'm dating myself when it was internet explorer, we were, Roger, maybe we don't need to shout this out at the rooftops because they, they were letting me know we got that same problem too. And we just got lucky that they found it on the Google side. Yeah. yeah so that, so that would, you know, don't throw stones from glass houses. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I think the the reality is, is that there's, there are some, some kernels there to learn from, but at the same time, never necessarily always get the whole truth out of out of some of those things too as part of it when you uh you know researching that how it going back to that book hacking the hacker how was it reaching out you had to reach out to all sorts of different luminaries through the industry and things like that was there uh, a lot of challenge in getting through that and learning from all of those folks yeah well i gotta tell you that was a dream thing and that continues to be one of my best-selling books which is just but I got thrilled with the idea that I was going to be able to call up all these people that were my heroes. And I've become <laughs> acquaintances or friends with many of them. I was really uh, excited to ask, like, you'd hear this story, like, how was public-private key encryption made? And I got to interview, you know, Mark Hellman and, and go, how did it go? I was like, this is the story I've always heard, the story that I always, uh, you know, read uh, about how you guys came up. Diffie Hellman with public key cryptography. And uh, it, it was interesting to see that, you know, many times there, there, there are differences and the story, or the story would be completely different or it'd have this turn. And sometimes it'd be the exact story, but, or to the guy, the first guy that came up, I interviewed the first guy that made the first firewall, you know, how did mm -hmm. that come about? Uh, and I got to say, that was kind of a dream project. Imagine just going yeah. around and interviewing people that were your industry heroes. Um, and, and um, I really love that because it also showed me that most of the time they were making incremental changes. Like the firewall didn't just come out of the blue, right? There was this, you know, thing they were doing and doing an access control list. And then they're like, Oh, we got to do this. And so a lot of times there's a lot more incremental stuff. There's more people <laughs> involved. Uh, you, you know, and let me say also that a lot of the smart people like today, the big thing, zero trust, right? Like, Hey, don't perimeters can't save you. The very first guy that made the very first firewall literally said there's a soft, chewy center like he like that guy who's mm -hmm. made the firewall said that firewalls don't work all that well. You know, if, right. you, if you neglect all this other stuff. And right. so uh, that, that, yeah, that was a dream. I got to tell you, that was a dream thing. So glad I did it. Uh, made a couple of handful of friends from it. And I still uh, leverage those relationships to this day. I really enjoyed it. Pretty much everybody who I've talked to really has enjoyed that book as well very well received for sure and thing in that book too was yeah. i would interview most of the people probably the best smartest luminaries were always like it wasn't just me it was this this and this mm -hmm. person or i'm not that smart but but then i'd interview these other people exactly the opposite they were taking credit for everything like i remember interviewing this person that was trying to take credit for uh for changing the way that uh, Microsoft interacted with hackers or something. And I'd already interviewed lots of people and learned that it was this whole <laughs> big team. But this one person like, no, they didn't listen to me. I did it all. And, and it, the person was just exaggerating their contribution. <laughs> when you're right. interviewing the real Einsteins of the field, they typically are, they're very uh, humble and they're sharing <laughs> the other relationships that help them to be successful. They were I didn't yeah. talk to a single industry luminary 
that took sole credit for anything. That's a good lesson for all of us, too, to, to be that, that humble and be able to share the credit where credit's due. Any new books on the horizon? Yeah, I'm work, so I'm working. I'm just finishing up a third edition of Data-Driven Defense, which is my only self-published book and the one that I really, really care about. Data-Driven mm-hmm. Defense, just, I think, I'm not being humble here, but I think everybody in computer security should read a data-driven computer defense. It will mm-hmm. change the way that you think about computer security. After that, I'm writing my first novel that I've kind of been working on for 10 years. Uh, everybody that writes, every computer security person that writes a novel typically writes mm-hmm. this computer security novel. I'm not. I'm yeah. writing the novel that has some computer security stuff. Then I'm actually working on a book. Uh, and this actually goes along with what you and I were already talking about. I'm going to yeah. write kind of a beginner's guide to particle physics. Ooh, nice. Um, because it's taken particle, it's going to, I'm going to have many different chapters and it's just every chapter is going to take you to a, a slightly deeper level. And then I'll quiz you at the end of the chapter. Go make sure you understand these concepts. And then I'm <laughs> going to jump into the next thing. So um, because particle physics can be really, really confusing and hard. So I'm like, let's do baby steps. So and so I'm going to the book I'm writing on particle physics, which that would be my 15th book, I guess, when I get there. Uh, and I've been collecting notes on it for years now. But it's the book I wish I would have read now that I have a fairly good understanding of particle physics. There you go. Now, I love that idea because I think that's it's certainly a field that needs a more introductory start to a certain extent. Because I think a lot of people that I know who are really into it, yeah, but the, the barrier to entry was so high. There was so much reading. I got through three or four books and then suddenly half a light bulb went on. <laughs> and then, and then I got yeah. through a couple more and three quarters of a light bulb finally came on. <laughs> and, and then I finally got there. You know, the, and the funny part is if you talk to anybody that knew me in high school, Mm-hmm. Or even college, they they would tell you there's no way this guy wrote a book on quantum physics and now he's writing a book, going to write a book on particle physics. I am not that guy. I failed math. I failed sciences. I failed out of college. All I cared about was football, beer, and women and surfing. And uh, but then I was able to find subjects and ideas that excited me that I then studied and that just changed who I am and what I am. But I guarantee you, none of my friends would believe I'm doing any of this. So that is to say that you can change yourself. You know, you can yeah. be something different than what you used to be, for yeah. sure. Having had the great experience of being able to work with you, I think it's it's really been eye-opening to see everything that you know and how you help everyone along the way. I think that's been a truly fun piece of this journey with you because I think that's can now see why learning some of this background, you know, you start to understand why you are that way. And I appreciate it even more from that perspective too. I, I, I do think that we're all in this world together to help each other. Like if you want to, <laughs> I've read the books uh, In Search of Meaning is one of them, you know, uh, Victor Candle. And that might be the guy that wrote In Search of Mind and Memory. But anyway, In Search of Meaning, uh, Victor Frankel, uh, that's it, Victor Frankel. He's like, why are we on this earth? And it ends with if it's if you help other people, like then your life was worthwhile. If you came on this earth and all you did was consume, well, what you know, your life could have been gone and not really helped anybody. But if you come on here, no matter how no matter how you help people, whether it's one person person you just listen to, whether it's writing a security guide or policy guide to teach a lesson that makes the next person's life a little bit easier, instructing a, if you think you can explain it to people in a, in a quicker, simpler way, whatever it is, if you're mm-hmm. helping people, 
I think that gives value to you, your life, and why you're here. So help others. Kind and help others. Love that message because that's true and certainly something I live by. It's kind of needed to kind of pivot a little bit. Had a, a pretty good career, all sorts of different opportunities. What's one of the most unique and challenging experiences that you've just run into that you've had to champion or overcome or just is kind of fun to talk about? Well, I don't know if this one's fun. Let me tell you the most challenging aspect for sure. Yeah. is being haunted where you know a better way of doing something or fixing something. Like I mm-hmm. believe that I know how to fix the internet and how to make it significantly less likely to be successfully hacked. I know how, I think I know the way to get rid of hackers and malware. I really do. But the story of my life is how to influence people to listen to you. It's really, mm-hmm. really hard, especially the smarter, the smarter the people are like at Microsoft and have all these ideas. Well, there's 200,000 other people with really smart ideas that are trying to get their job done. And I would come in and go, hey, I think we need to do this. And it's really hard to be heard, I would say, is to be to help influence to make change. And if you, I actually, I've had a hard time, I'm just starting now at age 56 to actually influence and make change, small changes, which I hope lead to bigger changes, which I hope yeah. that before I retire, leads to fixing the internet. That literally is my goal. But I, I finally went and talked to a guy that, that, since I've been in this field since 1987, only know of one internet security protocol that's ever been passed and then required by the US government, DMARC. DMARC, <laughs> SPF, and DKIM. If you've heard about this, it it allows you, if you receive an email, to see does the email really come from the domain that it claims. If it says from Microsoft, yeah. is it really from Microsoft? It's called, so DMARC, SPF, DKIM. And I went and I intentionally actually went to another state and had breakfast with the guy that that there was a guy that created this protocol, DMARC SPF DCAM. And I, all I wanted to ask him is, how did you come up with an idea that you then somehow pushed so it became a law or a regulation? It's actually uh, the last Congress actually published that they're going to require DMARC and DCAM on all the email servers in the U.S., mm-hmm. I said, how did you do that? You're the only, there's other, been other protocols like IPsec and DNSSEC, and, but they don't get required. How did you actually come up with an idea and influence enough people that this became a requirement? And the short story of it, and I just love this guy, he's like, it was, it was relationships. He goes, I went to conference after conference after conference, and I just made personal relationships with people. And then th- those people would start to believe in my idea and start to promote my idea. So it's kind of funny, you know, that it took one person to really, you know, and he had lots of other help, but it was, uh, he was the guy who was pushing it. But I thought even he in the end said basically it was about relationships and being able to, you know, convince people individually. Don't, don't think that you're going to be able to blog about some great idea and the world's going, oh, my God, that's so brilliant. Roger, you're so brilliant. We're just going to. That isn't how it works. It actually works the exact opposite. You have to start to individually connect with people, get them to buy into your idea so they promote your idea, and that's how you do it. You can't go out and go, do this, I'm going to publish an article and everybody can see how, how brilliant I am. That, that's not how it works. It's You have to talk to your friend and talk to the friend's friend and go meet a new person, network at a conference, go to another conference, and start sharing your idea interpersonally with people, not even maybe an official meeting. And then one by one, you can start to build something that becomes that is the secret. And even today, I'm starting to influence some things. It is absolutely about eventually connecting with the right people and forming relationships where these people trust you. And then that leads to something. 
that's a really cool uh, lesson. I think that so much of that, I think the fact that you reached out, connecting with people is one of those key things that the books you've written, the things you've done, the things you've learned, connecting people seems to be a real core piece of that puzzle. Yeah, but I think I, I think for most of my life, I thought I could just write this thing. People would see how smart this idea is, and then everybody would adopt it. But that isn't. If you look at, like, you yeah. know, I finally met with this guy, and he's like, you know what the secret is? It's hard work of building relationships. Yeah. Like, I was like, no, 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 but what did you do? How'd you? And he, he had to tell it to me a couple of times where I went, oh my God, he's telling me the secret, and I'm yeah. just ignoring what he's telling me. <laughs> you know, it's uh, kind of interesting. So it is about building personal relationships. If you want to change the world, to change it one person, what do they say? Think globally, act locally, you know, that sort of thing. You have to individually change people. Even at Microsoft, if I got things done, it's because I impressed accidentally or not one person that finally had the ability to influence this thing. But if I just wrote it down and tried to push it, I remember one time I had this really great idea and I wanted to push it out to all these people. And let me say that our, our boss, Ahmad Amadi, He's like, Roger, you know, you're not going to. I was like, no, it's a great idea. And I went and these people shut me down. They're like, you have no influence over me. You don't. I, I've got a million other things I got to do. I don't have time for your idea. And I came back and I went, Ahmad, you're right. I went in like a bull in a, you know, China in a China shop. And I thought everybody was just going to see how brilliant I was. And in the end, they just told me, go away. You know, yeah. and I influence nothing. So it all comes back down to. Be softer, gentler, influence people, make a friend with somebody that's probably going to have more likelihood of changing the world. Certainly just telling everybody, listen to how smart I am. I love that. So the end of the time here. So I've got a couple of quick questions I'm asking everybody. First one is, what is a favorite quote or advice that you uh, give people? I got a lot of a lot of favorite quotes. I got a list of quotes. But my favorite quote is the courage belongs to the man who's fought in the arena, who has blood, sweat and dust upon his brow. And if who fails while daring so greatly knows that his soul shall never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. And so what, I, what, what that tells me is just get in there and fight and fight and try to make something happen. Don't give up. Nobody that ever accomplished anything gave up. Love that quote. And the other one, I know you're an author. Do you have any book recommend book recommendations? Wow, I have so many. Um, it depends on the subject that you're interested in, uh, but you know, certainly, uh, you know, a wild one. This is this is this is a weird one, but I love it. Which mm -hmm. is in search of memory by Eric Kindle. It's a uh, he's a I think he's a, a Pulitzer Prize or Nobel Prize winning guy, but he wanted to find out how do we store memory. And if you've ever wondered how do we, why do we, how do we remember something? That book tells you how to. So that's a. I'm in a, into a lot of weird books. Uh, that would be one. Is in search of memory. It sounds fascinating. I think it, you're probably one of the most well-read in diverse areas of the people that I know. You dig into so many different things, and I know we've talked about it over the years, and it's uh, fascinating. I'll have to look into that one. Thank you again, Roger, for participating. Look forward to chatting again soon. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, and uh, good luck to everybody. Well, fight the good fight. This has been From Stuck to Growth with Glenn Lifeite. Don't forget to subscribe. We're also around on Instagram at From Stuck to Growth, as well as at FromStuckToGrowth.com. See you next time.